0: scrambles he's
1: left winds up he's got time at the 10 to the back yes. to the end zone touchdown and a dagger Giannis into the lane Giannis spinning fading shot up God for Giannis at
0: the buzzer bucks win it
2: Packer fans, what is going on? Welcome to the Packers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. The podcast for diehard Packer fans by diehard Packer fans. I am your host, Trevor. You can find me on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And I am joined, as always, with my two good buddies, Scott the Vanilla Gorilla and Tyler, a.k.a. T. Plush. You can find Scott on Twitter at Vanilla7Gorilla. You can find Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Kurth the Packers just completed their game against the Dallas Cowboys with a 34 to 24 victory and this one was a bit more entertaining than I would have liked to see after watching that first quarter Um, but how are you guys doing this evening before we recap this game
1: woo! I'm high on the win I'm glad you mentioned the first quarter Um, fuck the Cowboys. I was not expecting a W today, but I am so glad that we, uh, we really stuck it to them, especially early in the game. And yeah, Packers win. Couldn't be any more excited.
0: (laughs) Hell yeah. I noticed, uh, Zeke got another nose ring. Is that correct?
1: (laughs) I saw that too. (laughs) He he looks ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Only ring he's getting. That's all
1: I can say. (laughs) Oh,
2: yep.
0: (laughs) yep that's a good call Scott I like that thanks um
2: so the first thing I want to do is call out myself for being scared of this game because the Packers showed that we shouldn't have been and Tyler kind of already called out himself for that um and I know Scott's gonna get into this later but as soon as Scott found the heard the news of Devontae not playing, he said the Cowboys were going to win 38-10. So I'm going to just call out all of us to start this. (laughs) Fair. That's fair enough. All right. So we are going to do kind of our normal recap where we just start with one talking point each. So, Scott, why don't you start us off with your first talking point?
0: Sure. Um, My first talking point is penalties. There were... It seemed like quite a few in this game. There were 20 between the two teams. Packers had 9 for 78 yards. And the Cowboys had 11 for 100 or 124 yards, which is a, a shit ton of yards. Um, I think there were quite a few questionable calls tonight. For example, the roughing the passer call on Rashawn Gary, where he tapped him. Gave him a little bop on the head, and that was roughing the passer. Um, I could say there were a couple on the Cowboys that I was sitting there like oh, I'm not gonna argue, but they probably probably could have slid. Um, anyways, uh, penalties were a big difference in this game, and I think it you could tell with the shift in momentum. I think the Cowboys had a ton of penalties throughout the first half and even through the first part of the third quarter. And then it seemed like they were piling on for the Packers. There were a bunch on Zadarius Smith and then the Rashawn Gary and pass interference. So I think penalties honestly
1: really dictated momentum in this game. I think Scott's right. I mean... Not only penalties kind of derailed the Cowboys, but, I mean, really, they ran into some bad luck and bad execution. Um, but for the Packers, like, what, David Bakhtiar was penalized on back-to-back plays on the first drive. It was, what, a false start and a holding, I believe, um, yeah. which yep. was kind of bullshit, I thought. But um, And then, like, Zadarius Smith, I mentioned it during the game, like, he was tackling near the head on pretty much – every play, like whenever they'd show a replay, if he was going up against a lineman or uh, pressuring uh, Dak Prescott, he was always up near the head. So I thought he maybe could have got called a few more times. Granted, I think he got called twice tonight. Um, So I thought that was maybe one of those weird anomalies from tonight's game. But yeah, Scott's right. Penalties were absolutely crazy today.
2: Yeah. And before you get to your point, Tyler, I just want to I've figured out why they called that play that penalty on Rashawn Gary for roughing the passer, quote unquote roughing the passer. Um these refs weren't informed that Clay Matthews doesn't wear fifty two for the Green Bay Packers anymore. So they just <laughs> wanted to make sure that they got their weekly call on Clay Matthews. So
1: <laughs> he got called because on Thursday night though.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know, That's and it was ridiculous. <laughs> that oh my god, that poor guy the the NFL has a vendetta against him because some of the calls that he's gotten have been terrible. <laughs> and I feel for him, and that sucks. But that has to be the reason. They forgot that he was white and that he's not on the team anymore, apparently. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Did not expect that to come up today. but <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Poor Clay Matthews. I mean, I guess the only positive is at least it didn't cost us the ball game, which it seemed like last year, a lot of Clay Matthews' crappy roughing the passer calls did. Um, on a positive note, I'd like to focus a little bit more on our offense today. And really, I we talked a lot about LaFleur and how, oh, it's gonna be a lot of big plays and whatnot. But you're not seeing like a big a large amount of like 20, 30 plus yard plays. You're seeing a lot of those middle ground plays and I'm saying middle in quotations of like 15 plus yards. Packers um, today had 10 plays that went 15 or more yards and six different guys had their longest uh, touch for over 15 yards, which is just insane. And if you look through the box score, you have Aaron Jones, his longest play was 22 yards, Jimmy Graham, 23, Jeromino Allison, 22, Robert Tanyan, 23, On a, an amazing play. Uh, MVS, his long was 18 for his only catch of the game, and then Mercedes Lewis, his long was 15. So I think you have to kind of take big play, you have to scale it down a little bit. I mean, it's not going to be thinking like touchdown or bust. It's more like, yeah, we're not going to gain under five yards, but we're going to pick up the first down plus some and kind of work the middle of the field. And that's kind of what the Packers did today, and it was awesome.
2: Yeah. They have in those chunk plays. Like you said, it wasn't a ton of, you know, 40, 50-yard plays that broke open the game. It was – A lot of smaller chunk plays, and that was huge. And like you said, Aaron Jones played a huge factor in that. And we were not getting through these first three talking points without talking about Aaron Jones. He was absolutely incredible in this one. Um, Four rushing touchdowns, that's absolutely absurd. (laughs) Um, He scores all of them for the Packers with the other points coming from field goals, But that wasn't it. He had 19 carries, um, 107 yards, which that is really good. That's a 5.6 yard per carry average. That's kind of where he was last year. And we finally saw him break out a little bit in this game, which is huge. And then on top of all of that, which got me the most excited, was Aaron Jones was immensely effective in the passing game. He had seven receptions for 75 yards. That is incredible. That's exactly what we need him to do. That is amazing. And I think if Devont- if and when Devontae comes back, like pairing him with this caliber of Aaron Jones, not the one we saw through the first um, four weeks, but this Aaron Jones, this is- offense is going to be impossible to stop. Um, I just was in awe of how Aaron Jones played in this game for a total of 182 scrimmage yards, four touchdowns. Dallas had no answer for him. I thought, you know, when he's averaging 5.6 yards a carry, I felt like he should have got a few more carries. Um, I get, and we talked about this during the game with each other, that the change of pace with, um, Putting different running backs out on the field is important because it keeps the defense kind of on edge, having to play different styles of running. I think that's why Jamal Williams can look so good in this Packers offense because he's such a different weapon than Aaron Jones is. But overall, I thought Aaron Jones needed more than 19 carries in a game where he's getting 5.6. But they did get him involved a ton in the passing game, Um for, like I said, seven receptions for 75 yards. So, overall, just really impressed with the game he put together and really career game from him, one he's never going to forget.
1: Yeah, I agree, Trevor. And it seemed like you mentioned the kind of switching between the backs. When Trey Carson first came out on the field, I know Scott's really high on him. I was like, ah, you know, that means we're going to see him the entire Um, drive. um, And I'm like, we're not going to see Aaron Jones – but Packers drove down the field, and Aaron Jones ended up on his first play coming in, picking up 15 yards and then scoring on the play after that. So, yeah, it's not Mike McCarthy. We're not just going to let one person go per drive. And then the passing game was just phenomenal. It was. It seemed like it was a lot of quick checkdowns by Rodgers. I don't want to say if checkdowns are right word but he was getting the ball to him quick like it was clear they wanted him in the game plan and it makes sense in a game where you don't have Devonte adams you want to get one of your playmakers the ball and even if it's like a design throw like hey i'm throwing it to you almost no matter what i mean it clearly worked out and the cowboys couldn't stop it all right um i just want to
0: clarify one thing right? <laughs> um i'm not really high on trey carson I was interested to see him play a little bit today um, just because Jamal was out. Um, I don't think he's going to be an amazing running back. Thanks for the clarification. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. I just don't want anyone thinking, oh, look at this guy. Doesn't know what football is.
1: (laughs) That's the orange ball. Uh,
0: (laughs) That's basketball, idiot. Come on, Tyler, you
1: stupid. Damn it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um so I guess we kind of touched on my next point already uh talking about a lack of a dominant receiver. Uh, obviously Devonte was out today. I'm I'm expecting him to be back next week. He was turf toe. Um shouldn't be an issue for very long. But if you look at our receiving, we it- had We had nine different players catch a ball today, and usually you're like, wow, he's finding all these receivers. What a great quarterback. Yes, he is a great quarterback, but that also means that he didn't really have anyone standing out. No one was really breaking free a lot. In fact, Aaron Jones led us in receiving. He had eight targets, seven receptions, 75 yards, and then... Next, we had Geronimo had six targets, only two receptions, so that Jimmy Graham had three targets, three receptions, trey Carson four four for four, so it was actually our running backs who were kind of carrying the load. they had the most receptions, so it's unfortunate to see. Nobody really step up when they had the opportunity with Devante out. I know I was kind of jokingly saying that this was Kumaro's time to shine. Um, It definitely was MVS's time to shine and he got one catch for 18 yards. Um, So I guess I was just expecting more from somebody. I, I'm not going to say that I was expecting our receiving game to be great, but I was expecting somebody to kind of step up and and uh, carry our receiving game. Someone besides Aaron Jones.
1: Yeah, you're right, Scott. And we talked a lot during the preseason. like We kind of thought this receiver deep was deep, and we thought it was a good thing. And then I think it was Scott who brought us kind of down to earth uh, before the regular season started and said, is it really, though? And, yeah, it's kind of showing now. And would it have changed? I mean, I know Darius Shepard had a chance at a touchdown today, um, but he would have had to have skied like a million uh, feet up in the air to catch that. But he did draw. It was a holding or pass interference, one of the two. Um, But, yeah, it's the lack of depth, I guess, at receiver is a growing concern for me as well. Yeah. I mean, if Shep
2: makes that play, that is – I would have, like, everyone would have heard me. I don't care where you're listening from. You would have heard me scream. Um, but, yeah, Scott is right. No one really stepped up. I thought Jimmy Graham made some plays when he needed to. Um, and that right before our last points uh, on that field goal. I could see in the huddle Rodgers was talking specifically at Jimmy Graham so I'm like okay they're throwing it to Jimmy Graham Um, and it must have just been we just want yards we don't necessarily need a first if they give it to you take it but um, just make sure we get the completion Um, but overall I thought Jimmy Graham was good I felt like he moved the sticks on a couple of his receptions Um, and then Robert Tanyan, we mentioned it briefly earlier, Earlier that that catch that he made. And Aaron Rodgers deserves some credit on that play, too, because I don't know how he got that pass off. And then it was absolutely perfect, and um, Robert Tanyan made an absolutely brilliant play on it, and I could not believe it when it happened. But Scott's right. We want to see someone else step up, but I am glad that... They were able to do enough in this game to at least get them the win. It wasn't pretty, um, especially down the stretch, but the receivers, even though it was mainly Aaron Jones, the receivers did do enough to win us this football game. So that is the one positive I have coming out of the receiver room.
0: And I would also like to give – some props to our receiving core and tight ends for their blocking um, on those plays for Aaron Jones and even our other pass plays. Jimmy Graham, I thought, really stepped up today. He was three for three on catches and he was he was putting some big blocks on guys down the field. So I was I was really impressed with Jimmy today.
1: Ditto, Scott and. Jenkins. Jenkins was constantly always getting down to the linebacker level on the line. Um and then Lucas Patrick like came in for Corey Lindsley. I don't know when he suffered this concussion, but that was the only time you ever heard him during the game was when he came in. So that's a good sign that he must have had a good game blocking as well.
0: Great reporting.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, Tyler,
1: what is your next point? Um, So last week I kind of criticized the Smiths a little bit, kind of the whole defense, because they barely got any pressures on Carson Wentz. And obviously this was not the case this week. I mean, Preston Smith has a sack. Zadarius has two sacks. Um, Ends up with four QB pressures for Zadarius. Um, So it was good to see them have a nice... I don't want to say rebound week. I don't know what happened against the Eagles. It was weird, um, but this is what they should do each and every week. Um, the only concerning thing for me is we saw Zadarius go down what three or four times with an injury to the same knee. Granted, he came back in every time, but I don't know how concerning I or how concerned I am of this, and if it's going to be a lingering issue going forward, and how much it will affect the pass rush in the future.
2: Yeah, at this point we can just hope for the best and wait and see what is coming of that. And I think these two have really I know it's really early and they're both on four-year deals and stuff, but they have really proven to be good additions to this team. Um even if it's just for like the first two years that they're like this, That is going to be well worth it and a great move from uh, Brian Gutekunst. And as long as they stay healthy, they have through their first four years in the league. So hopefully this is just kind of a couple tweaks that happened to Zadarius' knee, and hopefully he'll be okay. But I am not too concerned until I hear news from the Packers that I should be concerned. And I feel like that's how everyone should be. Scott, do you have anything on Preston or Zedarius?
0: Ah, uh, just another phenomenal game. They they combined for was it sorry three sacks, plus I think just uh, Zedarius had four QB hits. So it it was just great to see them keep doing what they had been doing. Um, the Eagles game was a little. Um, light on stats for them, but they really came back today and took care of some business. Uh, Preston Smith just keeps impressing me. he It's almost like he's a quiet player that makes big, loud plays, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, to me, it kind of rem- reminds me of
2: everyone's talking about Zadarius and you know, that reminds me of Christian Yelich or Giannis. And then there is this other player that not everyone's talking about and they just do their job. And for me on the Bucks, that's Chris Middleton. Um for me, even even though he didn't have a great offensive year, I think Lorenzo Kane is like that too. They don't really talk about him, but he is always making the right plays. Um but I just feel like that's kinda how it is. One guy gets all the talk, and rightfully so. He is a really good football player. But Preston Smith is just a guy that does his job, and he does it extremely well. One more thing that I wanted to bring up about the outside linebackers is Rashawn Gary, for me, looked really good in this game. And sometimes it's hard to see live when they're not getting sacks, they're not doing different things. Um We talked about the roughing the passer penalty. That was just bullshit and shouldn't have been called. But outside of that, I think he played extremely well. Um, He had a few plays in the run game where he set the edge or he made a very nice play, found the ball, ripped through his block, made the tackle on Zeke or whoever was in Pollard as the other running back. Um, There was a few plays that he didn't quite make, but... Overall, I was very impressed with Rashawn Gary. There was one where he had a nice rush, um, beat the left tackle. might have been the right tackle. Um, Beat him off the edge, did a very good job. Had Dak stepped up, and he ended up having a good rush. But um, Rashawn Gary did do a good job in this game Um, and really... I was very impressed with him, and hopefully we'll continue to see more snaps. Late in the game, we saw him on the inside um, with Fackrell and Preston because this was when Zadarius was hurt, But and then next to Kenny Clark. I really like that, and I would really like that even more once Zadarius gets in there as well. But then they kick Zadarius inside, and then Gary's on the outside. I just love all the matchups with those three players. Um, and I was really happy with how all of the outside linebackers played. Um, Gary did kind of misplay that one pass on Zeke that was on the first and 25, and they got the first down, but he almost caught up to the play and made it, which would have been very impressive, but he just kind of got a step close, too close to rushing the passer, and then he had to try to catch Zeke, which is not easy to do, but overall I thought he was great. Um, staying on the defensive side, I think Kevin King was phenomenal in this game. Um, that with that late pick, even like, yes, he made quite a bit of contact and it probably should have been called, but he still made the play that they didn't call the, um, pass interference or illegal contact or whatever they were going to call. And they didn't call it. He goes out, Makes the play, gets the interception. Um, and the way this offense played in the fourth quarter, it didn't really ice the game, but it should have. Um, and that was just very good to see. I thought Kevin King played an unbelievable game. He did a pretty good job of, when he was on Michael Gallup, did a pretty good job of stopping him. Now you look at the stat line, he's got seven receptions for 113 yards and a touchdown. Um, Not all of that was on Kevin King. I know at one point they were checking on Kevin King's groin, but he did play most of this game, which was really exciting for me to see him out there as much as he was considering he was questionable coming into this one. So do you guys have anything else on the outside backers or Kevin King, or do you guys have your own stuff
0: yet? Um. I guess the only other thing I wanted to bring up was there seemed to be kind of almost every game there seems to be an exchange between Rogers and LaFleur. I'm not going to say it's anything big or uh, something that some douchebag needs to write a whole article about, but it's, uh, it's something to pay attention to because it seems to happen... Happened late in games, every game so far this season, when the offense stalls out, and then Rodgers has something to say about it, and he usually says it pretty loudly to Coach LaFleur. (laughs) So I'm I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. Like I said, I don't think it's a big issue or anything. I'm sure it's the veteran Rodgers kind of helping the rookie coach but again something to kind of pay attention to
1: yeah I, I don't know I think that probably happens on pretty much every NFL sideline during a close game and I think just due to Rogers, we'll say history um, or at least all them stupid articles that Scott was referencing to this offseason that came out um, the media is just more drawn to it it's cameras are going to focus on it because they see it and it's just something for people who aren't familiar with what's going on in Green Bay to talk about and kind of get things stirring. Uh, and yeah, sure, maybe it looks a little heated, but you don't know what words are being said down there. And if it was a real issue, I think Rodgers would have maybe called the floor out at some point. Uh, I mean, we saw him call Mike McCarthy out in the past, um, so I don't, I don't think it's too much to look into. It. At least that's my take on it.
2: Okay. I I just think um that like Tyler said, I feel like it gets blown out of proportion and it happens everywhere. Um but I also think Rogers is trying to figure out what LaFleur wants to call and trying to figure out kinda of his way of going about this because let's be honest, it's week five, like there's still plenty of room for growth in this offense, and they're trying to figure each other out still. So I think it's just some frustration with late-in-game stuff once defenses adjust, trying to figure out what they can do to readjust to that. Um, And obviously Rodgers is frustrated, but I think Lafleur is doing a good job of taking it in stride, using it as constructive criticism, and not really just his quarterback is complaining And bitching at him and use that to get better and so we don't see as many of those exchanges between the two
0: yeah and and the reason i'm really not concerned is yeah aaron looks kind of heated during those exchanges but lafleur seems really calm and like he is taking it as advice you know so i i don't think it's anything to really worry about just something worth mentioning
2: Tyler, do you have any other talking points coming out of this game?
1: Um, so, uh, Well, let's be clear. The Packers didn't really shut down Ezekiel Elliott in this game. When you look at the box score, he had 12 carries for 62 yards, but that's primarily because the Cowboys were down all game, so they had to throw the ball more. Um, so when I'm looking on the run defense side for the Packers, I'm looking at names like we haven't heard much out of Kenny Clark this year, and I'm kind of wondering what your guys' thoughts are. Like, how much do you think losing uh, Mike Daniels was to this run defense because it has not been good this year? Yeah,
2: I think it. I think it hurts, but also I think players just need to play better in the run game. Be very sound with their gap defense and. All of that stuff, and I just feel like it might take time. You know, that Super Bowl winning team really, really struggled in the regular season stopping the run, and the calendar flips to postseason, and they figured it out. So, hopefully, that continues to be the case, or at least for this season. But I mean, I guess we'll see. I'm not overly concerned. I do think Mike Daniels would have helped, but. Also, there's some young guys in there in Montrevious Adams, Tyler Lancaster, Dean Lowry. I hope, Hopefully those players get better. Kenny Clark, obviously, is still very young and very good. Hopefully he continues to improve. I don't think he's been that same player that he was last year. Um, doesn't really seem like he's gotten a lot of those plays. He's still very good, but hopefully he continues to step up, and I think that'll be kind of the biggest thing is if these players just get better um, in this one and over the course of the season. Scott, did you have anything on that?
0: No, I think I'd agree with what you're saying.
2: And so I have a brief thing I wanted to say. Um, It was really good to see Oren Burks out there again. He didn't have spectacular play or anything, but It was nice to see him again, and I feel like he's an upgrade over B.J. Goodson, so that is good news for Green Bay, um, and I really enjoyed seeing him out there again, so that's nice. The next thing that I want to talk about is the Green Bay Packers officially own AT&T Stadium. It's not Jerry Jones that owns that place. It is 100% Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, Um, so... Obviously, during the Super Bowl run, the Packers won Super Bowl 45 in that stadium. On top of that, um, December fifteenth, two 2013 in Dallas, Packers win 37 to 36. Next time they're in Dallas, the 20 2017, that was the playoff game, the divisional round. Packers win 34, 31. 2017 in October, so earlier in that year, Packers won that one, 31 and obviously this game, 34-24. Um, so they've just kind of owned Dallas, and since 2009, the Packers are 8-1 and one against the Cowboys, the only loss coming in Green Bay in 2016, and that was actually... Dak Prescott's first start in the series so that's kind of interesting tidbit but since 2009 the going into that 2009 game the Packers were down 16 to 12 in the series and currently the Packers are winning the series 20 to 17 so this dominance in the past decade plus the dominance in Um, Dallas has just been unreal and the Packers have done a very good job in AT&T Stadium and they continued it Um, I think the deed might be transferring over to Aaron Jones at this point because he has had two stellar games in in AT&T Stadium and it's awesome to see do you guys have anything else
0: about this game Nah, no. Nah, that was awesome though to see them whoop on the Cowboys. Yeah, they made it close at the end, but nah, it wasn't. It wasn't that tight.
2: Yeah, and that was a very good start to the game. And again, they kind of floundered down the stretch a little bit, but they still won the game by ten points. And it was great to see the. Packers win another one against a very tough opponent. They are 4-1 on the season, top the NFC North. And currently, the team closest to them is the Detroit Lions at 2-1-1. And And the Bears and the Vikings round out the division at 3-2. Both of those teams are 3-2. And just because I am a diehard Packers fan Nice job in London today, Bears. You did great. I loved every second of that game. Um, And I am just glad that you found a way to screw it up. But that is going to be it for us in this one. Make sure you guys check back later in the week, and we will get a preview podcast up for the Lions on Monday Night Football. And make sure you guys check that out because that's going to be a good one. Um, super exciting one to watch. And I'm super pumped about that. But in the meantime, make sure you check out the Bucks Trilogy podcast, because the preseason starts like now, which is awesome. Um, Brewer's Trilogy podcast, obviously, the season did not go how we wanted it to, or end how we wanted it to. But We're doing some good work over there, good information that you guys are going to want to know throughout the offseason, so make sure you're checking that out. Check out our website, wiscosportstrilogy.com. I know right now Tyler's had some banger of articles come out on there about the Brewers, so make sure you're checking those out. But until next time,
1: go Pack Go. We're beating the Lions this year, damn it. Who them boys?